0: Welcome or welcome back to Pre ARB Excellence or Roots based Chicago Cubs podcast with an eye on player development. And I'm out on the road today, um, out on the road having a pick, a nick. And that sounded like some pizza. Um, today's podcast is a baseball slash language crossover. Baseball slash language crossover. And I hope you can stick with me on it. Um, It's a bit of a variation on a theme because I'm talking about two of the games, one of the Cubs minor league games and one of the Cubs major league games, today in this podcast. I will get the rest of the podcast. I will get the rest of the games in a separate podcast. There will be some news there, too. Um, We start with the language crossover. There So, I quite enjoy words when the word has, what would you say, an actionable definition. Now, you you know when the word fits into the sentence because it all makes sense and when people hear the word, they know what the word means because the word has a definition. I tend to not use words that I don't know what the definition is or don't, um, or the definition is garbage. Uh, Some words don't have a definition, like common sense is a great example. Oh Well, everybody knows what common sense is, I don't. Describe me in, you know, a couple of sentences, bullet points, five bullet points, what common sense is, because to me people are just arguing on whatever they want. Today, I have two words that will, that person's driving way too fast, um, that will lead into, talking about two words that will lead into the two games I'm talking about. One of them is lanyap. It is a very good French-ish Louisiana term that effectively means getting something that you weren't expecting. The functional definition I use for Lanyap is, you are paying for or receiving a specific service. You receive something specific in addition to that service, and it was a complete surprise and unpaid for. So three things, you're receiving a product or a service, you receive an extra item or an extra service, and it was a surprise that wasn't paid for. For instance, once upon a time, my brother went to a pizza establishment with his wife, and when the pizza came out, my brother, who is a bit verbose and will uh, give people credit when they deserve it, my brother commented how much he appreciated how well the pizza was sliced. Because so often you go to a pizza place and you get, it's just not very well sliced. You pick up one piece and another piece comes with it. Maybe a third piece comes with it. You get some cheese hanging over and it just, it it just doesn't entirely work. So he just mentioned that he liked the pizza cutter that the pizza establishment was using. As per usual, my brother was very affable with the wait staff. And at the end, he and his wife had asked for a to-go plate because they hadn't quite finished their pizza. So when the waitress brought out the to-go bag, kind of dropped it on the table, and there was a little bit of a thump sound. My brother was, what the heck was that? But Okay, whatever. Get home. She had given him one of the pizza establishment's pizza cutters he expected the service of the pizza, he received the pizza cutter without asking for it, without paying for it. That is lanyap. It's rather easy to tell if something is lanyap. It doesn't have to be Cajun, doesn't have to be Louisiana. If you receive something above and beyond that you were not expecting, that's lanyap. It's not like if you're going out to a uh, Um, Chinese restaurant, and they throw in a couple of fortune cookies, which you were already expecting, that's not lanyap, because you're expecting there will be um, fortune cookies in there. Boy, I'm completely talking about food today. But as you can see, the word lanyap has a definition, and based on the definition you can assess is something that's being discussed lanyap. Now, let's jump to a term that is still creeping around and I detest it, tanking. Tanking is a baseball term that I completely detest. Why do I hate the term tanking? Because nobody's ever given me an actionable definition as far as what tanking means in baseball. For instance, the Cubs today, the Cubs this week, the Cubs this month, the Cubs since the Minnesota series, which individual has tanked, which individual has intentionally done things to sabotage the success of the Cubs? Because, hey, let's say I'm a superstar college basketball player and I get tied up with some gangsters. I get some tie- tied up with some gangsters and they are betting on basketball games and they realize that I'm the player on the team that's going to decide the game and <coughs> they tell me there will come a play, there will come a play in the game and you will have the opportunity to misfire so that our wager comes through. Maybe it will cost your team the game, maybe it won't cost your team the game, but you are tanking. You're tanking because the gangsters have told you if you don't tank, your entire family is going to be brutally murdered. That comes up, hey, tank away, I, I'm all good with it. You get yourself into that situation, tank away, give away the game, save your family, I'm good with it. because. I'm a human being, and occasionally I have some emotions. Well, let's switch it over to baseball. Who is tanking for the Cubs right now? Is Frank Schwindel tanking? If so, he was kind of stupid hitting that home run and sliding into first base after hustling down the line. That was really stupid. No, 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 it's not Frank Schwindel that's tanking. Oh, okay, maybe it's um, David Ross for putting Frank Schwindel in the lineup batting second every day. No, 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 no. It's not David Ross. It's it, it's not him. Okay, um, okay. Jed Hoyer. What has Jed Hoyer done in the last month to tank anything? What has Jed Hoyer done in the last month to tank anything? Well, no, no, no. It's it's not about Jed Hoyer in the last month. It was July. Everything he did in July was tanking. Ah, oh, okay, okay. So when. He claimed Frank Schwindel on waivers from the Oakland A's. He was tanking. Well, no, he wasn't really tanking then either. Okay, so what the hell does tanking mean? Which person is tanking? You get the guy who the mobsters pay off to miss a free throw, to throw the ball out of bounds, to blow the layup, to commit the foul. That's tanking. When you're making trades that prioritize the future over the present... That is making trades that prioritize the future, that prioritize the future over the present. Because that term has a definition. The definition of making trades that prioritize the future over the present is pretty much exactly what Jed Hoyer did in every single July trade. Use that term instead of tanking. Tanking is horseshit. Tanking means absolutely nothing unless you can show me like five or six examples where Jed Hoyer has tanked this month. Hey, David Ross, um, don't play Frank Schwindel today. He's doing too well. I want our team to lose. That would be tanking. Bat the pitcher second. That would be tanking. Nobody on the Cubs is tanking. Nobody on the Cubs in July was tanking. When Jed Hoyer decided to designate Ryan Meisinger and Jake Jewell for assignment and instead bring up two players who might be on the team next year, was that tanking? I don't think so. It was a decision to help the future. I don't see how that would by tanking. So I don't like the term tanking in baseball. Unless you can tell me which individual is specifically tanking in baseball, stop using the term. I went there a little bit on Bleed Cubby Blue, and nobody wanted to really respond. Mm, I don't know, maybe because I'm right. If nobody is tanking, nobody is tanking. If someone is tanking, it's obvious in the game. Heck, Joe Jackson. When there was some discussion in the 1918 World Series that there may be something funny going on, A number of players, I think Christy Mathewson was even one. Um, The commissioner, was it Landis then? Uh, whoever, Whoever was deciding wanted Christy Mathewson to come in to watch the game. Watch the game, take notes. Is there anything at all in this game that looks even moderately hinky? And in his notes, Matthewson, from what I've heard, said, yeah, Joe Jackson made a couple of plays that looked like he probably should have given a better effort or something along those lines. Tanking is obvious, but tanking also has to have a definition. And if you're saying, well, he kind of made a trade that I didn't like, and he was kind of unpopular, and I really liked Anthony Rizzo, well, who's been better in July and August? Or who's been better in August and September? Anthony Rizzo or Frank Schwindel? You tell me. So, Lanyap has a definition. Lanyap is when you show up for something and you get something else. Let's say you're going to a uh, well-respected nightclub or something like that. Kind of a... uh, uh bluesy, jazzy, nightclub kind of a thing, you know, not not a, um, not a bar per se, but more of a, I don't know, what what would you call it, dignified, uh, low-key, piano bar kind of thing. So you go to the piano bar, you you go to the uh, nightclub, and completely to your surprise, a... pianist that you completely respect and adore is there playing piano. Wow! I didn't expect that. I completely didn't expect that. I got everything I was asking for, everything I was asking for, and I got something more. That's Lanyard. I've talked a bit about the Cubs game today. Not a whole lot. You probably saw it. You probably have enough to comment on your own. Um my game of the night i looked at this starting times i looked at the starting times at five o'clock daniel palencia was starting for myrtle beach at six o'clock dj hers was starting for south bend palencia hers oh my goodness that's a cognitive break how do i decide how do i decide well as it happens The Myrtle Beach game started first. So I decided I will start with the Pelicans game because the Pelicans game is starting first. If it had been the other way around, I'd have flipped it. But the Pelicans game started first. I started listening to the Pelicans game. And Palencia is one of the two players that came over in the... Oh, my goodness. Wow. Um uh greg Dykeman trade <laughs> um yeah came over from oakland in the trade that brought over greg Dykeman for uh and you know who it is you, you, yeah you guys are yelling at the computer yeah you get you guys know who i'm talking about i'll i'll i'll, I'll remember it in about three or four minutes here but uh Palencia, in one of his outings, had been sitting 99, 100, 101. In his outings since then, his velocity hasn't been that much. His last outing, he was completely wild all over the place. So with Palencia, it's a little bit uh, hit or miss, and I'm trying to figure out, I was walking into tonight, trying to figure out who is he What can I expect from him? Uh, What do I know? What is still to be proven? And I guessed right. I guessed right on the game to prioritize. Palencia in the first inning, fanned two, but uh, was a little bit extra on the pitches. Uh, Ended up walking somebody, hit up the middle, which doesn't really offend me that much, bother me that much. But... um, Got out of the inning, no no runs scored. Second inning, uh, <laughs> they had someone in the booth, so I really couldn't follow the action very well at all. And I'm not quite entirely sure what happened, but he got out of the inning one, two, three, so it was all good there. Third inning was a very good inning for Palencia. Oh, in, in the second inning, he struck out two hitters. So through two innings, a little bit of damage, a little bit of traffic, no runs scored, um, four strikeouts and two innings. Third inning was about seven or eight pitches long, three fly balls to left field. Very good, very solid, very acceptable. No problems there, no worries whatsoever. His fourth inning was where he had some trouble and I learned something. I learned something. Daniel Palencia's biggest hurdle to get over is getting out of that inning, and perhaps you've known a pitcher who, through the years, he's perfectly fine until he has that inning, but then he can't get out of that inning, because something happens and you just can't get out of it. Palencia, in the fourth inning, escaped one run, one hit, I think there was a walk, and I think he struck somebody out, um, he came out for the fifth inning, which just him coming out for the fifth inning was cool as hell. Comes out for the fifth inning, and wow, was that a one, two, three inning as well? There certainly wasn't a whole lot of damage. He was very good in the um, third and fifth innings. He was especially good. Two, he was really good. One, he struggled some. First thing, he struggled some. Fourth inning, he struggled a bit. And that's the thing with Palencia. When he gets in trouble, he starts to do the wander around the mound thing and uh, go play with the rosin bag and kick things around and get a little bit frustrated because he's used to getting people out and he's not used to having that inning. So with Daniel Palencia, when I get around to writing my review on him for the season, um, the thing to prove is getting out of that inning. So. I was pretty sure Palencia was done after five. I hadn't heard anything about um, a reliever officially being warmed up. But uh, for the sixth inning, Frankie Scalzo Jr. came in. It's like, oh, okay, cool. Frankie Scalzo Jr. He is a guy who I wanted to hear pitch again. He was a, oh, geez, 17th round draft pick, 15th round draft pick, 13th round draft pick, something like that, out of Grand Canyon University in Phoenix, Arizona, He was a reliever, a closer for the, um, oh my goodness, I'm not remembering, Grand Canyon. Not too many of you are hollering at your computer there. I should know that. I should remember that. Um, But for Grand Canyon, he was their, their closer. And what the Pelicans are trying to do is have relievers pitch two innings two innings, whether it's 30 pitches, two innings, whether it's 19 pitches, the short relievers, they're not going to pitch the next day anyway. So with Frankie Scalzo Jr., it's Saturday night, he's pitching on Saturday, he's not going to pitch Sunday, there's not going to be a game on Monday, so he's not going to pitch, so might as well let him pitch two innings and see how it works. And he had two very good innings. Um, I think he allowed a base runner, obviously I'm not looking at a line score. Um, I think he allowed a line score, I heard a 95 in there. He was generally ahead of the hitters. The hitters were um, disadvantaged. He was generally better than the hitters in the game, which doesn't mean anything long-term except if a um, short reliever, middle reliever is doing fairly well at the low A level. That means it it sounds like next season he might be ready for advanced A south bend which would be perfectly fine, seeing as he's like a, what, 13-pound 13, 13 draft pick. <sighs> okay, as to the offense in the Myrtle Beach game, Jordan Wogu had four hits. One of them was an eighth-inning home run to put Myrtle Beach ahead. Anytime a person gets four hits, that's kind of cool that it was jordan wogu getting four hits that's really cool because he has been coming from so far back because he's hitting 130 in may early june he had so far to come back the numbers that he's putting up he's actually hitting probably a whole lot better than that over the last two and a half months which is probably more um realistic based on future assessments um Owen Casey had scored from second on a little blooper. Uh, Jonathan Sierra, I think, had the RBI. A little bit later in the game, Owen Casey tried to score from first on a single while he didn't make it. How many players in the history of Cubs baseball do you know of that could have even attempted to have tried to have scored from first on a single when there wasn't like an error plumb in the middle of the play. Owen Casey's not fast. He's not necessarily a great base runner, but he gives it effort. He gives a solid effort every time out. I'm giving him points for that. I'm giving him points for trying to make a play even when it didn't work out because that says to me he's probably going to try to make a play in the future kind of like, Frank Schwindel did in the ninth inning in Wrigley today. It was tied going to the eighth. Let's see, Frank Howard, uh, not Frank Howard, Ed Howard had, I think, two hits. Again, I'm not looking at the uh, numbers, um, but it was a nice offensive day for Myrtle Beach. Not fantastic seeing as they only dragged a 2-1 lead to the bottom of the ninth inning. Now, my topic for this podcast is lanyap. Lanyap is, in case you've forgotten, something that you get that you weren't expecting when you've already gotten all that you expected. I got my Jordan Wogu. I got my Owen Casey. I got my Ed Howard. I got my Daniel Palencia. I even got some Frankie Scalzo Jr., what I did not expect. What I did not expect until Frankie Scalzo Jr. was pitching in the second inning of relief, Sam Weiderhaft said, warming up in the Myrtle Beach bullpen, the left-hander Luis Rodriguez, and my jaw hit the floor. Luis Rodriguez and I, we go back a ways, we go back a ways, because I've been paying attention to the Dominican Summer League for a while. a while ever since I realized oh I can follow the Dominican Summer League cool this is awesome let's do this in 2018 Luis A Rodriguez I think it's Luis Angel Rodriguez was added to the Myrtle Beach um, no was added to the Dominican Summer League team pitched a little bit nothing much nothing much whatever in his second year in the Dominican Summer League he was fantastic had an ERA I'm going to say it was below 2, but I think it was under 1.3, and it might have even been below 1. His ERA was absolutely absurd. Luis A. Rodriguez was not getting hit. 2018, incidental. 2019, fantastic. 2020, nobody plays anywhere at all, even a little tiny bit. So, 2021, Luis Angel Rodriguez starts the season in the Arizona Compound League. Fine, no worries, not a problem. He's getting pitching. He's pitching. He's doing rather well. Has his ERA below two? Okay, fine. He is positioning himself perfectly for being a starter in Myrtle Beach in 2022. Completely good with it. Doing fantastically well. Now I'm hearing. Oh, by the way, Tim, next half inning, you're going to get to hear Luis Angel Rodriguez pitch. Cool. That's Lanyap. That, ladies and gentlemen, is Lanyap. Um, I was not expecting that. Whatever he was going to do, I was going to be fascinated because he is a guy that has fascinated me since 2019. When somebody has fascinated you for, you know, three years, when you finally get to hear him pitch in a ball game, yeah, that's kind of a step up. Instead of having to, hmm, I wonder how he was doing. I see what he did, but I don't know how he did it first two hitters he strikes out and it really didn't sound like he was um pushing himself he's just chucking just chucking the ball and the other team wasn't hitting the ball now this is a team in Lynchburg who last week last game Sunday against Cannapolis, the Cannonballers won 16 to nothing this is not an inept offense this is a very legitimate very capable squad and Luis Rodriguez fanned the first two, gave up a walk to the third guy, uh, and it was a, I think it was 0 2 1 2, runs to 3 2, maybe a foul off, and then a walk. So it wasn't a case of he was, you know, walking the entire universe. Then the next hitter, I think like second, third pitch, hits a ground ball to first base. Fine, not a problem. Luisa A. Rodriguez, his first inning in full season ball strikeout strikeout walk grounder i'm good with that as it happens i decided i wanted pizza tonight and i was heading off to get my pizza and my um phone was in my shirt pocket as i was heading over to get my pizza as luis rodriguez comes out to pitch the ninth inning and i just put it this way. it's completely stress-free. It was completely stress-free. There wasn't a situation where, oh, my goodness, he's down 2-0, and he's going to get in trouble, and he's going to have to groove one. No, he, he, no, no worries, no worries. Struck out two hitters. I think it was about a 10-11 pitch inning. No worries. Just simply no worries. Myrtle Beach wins 2-1. Daniel Palencia pitches five full innings, a career high, fans six ties a career high, represents that he is totally good to go for 2022. In in the process of talking about it, Palencia is one of those players who is kind of an odd duck in that he wasn't uh, signed right off the get-go as far as um, the international signing period. He was signed last year, 2020, when specifically, what day specifically, I'm not entirely quite sure, but he will have the next two seasons at least in the Cubs system before he is Rule 5 draft eligible. So now it's 2021. After 2022, after 2023, he may be Rule 5 draft eligible in 2022, or it may be 2023. And Daniel Palencia is already kicking butt in Myrtle Beach. I'm completely good with that. Frankie Scalzo Jr., reliever, this year's draft. Let's see, 2021 draft. He won't be Rule 5 eligible until 2021, 2022, 2023. December of 2023. Wait, no, no, 2021. So he won't be eligible for the Rule 5 draft until 2022, 2023, 2024. Um, Palencia 2023 or possibly 2024. Frankie Scalzo Jr. 2024. Luis A. Rodriguez is actually um, eligible for the Rule 5 draft this season. I don't see anybody picking him. Um, I don't see it. It could happen. It would be a ballsy pick, that's for sure. But uh, the, the games today... Absolute Lanyap. The Myrtle Beach game today was absolute Lanyap. I got so much more than I was bargaining for. Four hits out of Jordan Wogu, including a home run that he slaughtered. Um, Frankie Scalza Jr. doing things. Luis A. Rodriguez doing things. Daniel Palencia doing things. There are other games to talk about, but about the Cubs game and the Myrtle Beach game, I've already talked a half an hour. So, i probably better shut up. I hope you enjoy the rest of your weekend. And there should be a full slate of entertaining games tomorrow, including Jordan Wicks making his professional debut for South Bend. Yeah, Sunday's going to be fun, too. Have a great weekend.